Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 116 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the OpenStack Summit here in Hong Kong, and uh, co-hosting again is Kenneth Hoy. Ken, how you doing, man? Fine. Good, good, good. It's been a long time. I know, exactly. It's been all of uh, (laughs) an hour and a half, two hours. Um, (laughs) And we're joined today by Jesse Proudman, uh, founder and CEO of Bluebox. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm doing great. Hello, Internet world. And so, first of all, we got to talk a little bit about your company, um, and then we'll kind of get in what you actually do. So, um, Bluebox Group, you've been around for a while, um, like since 2003, which is, you know pre-everything. You, you can say you were a cloud before you were a cloud, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the company was founded in 2003 out of my dorm room. Uh, started out really as a managed hosting company, very similar to Rackspace's roots. Uh, we built our own cloud technology in 2006 using containers. Uh, so we were using containers before containers were cool. Uh, so you were cloud before cloud was cool. You were containers before container was cool. That's right. <laughs> absolutely. So... Grew the business up doing really hybrid cloud using that our container-based cloud infrastructure with bare metal, uh, bare metal dedicated boxes, uh, focused on Ruby applications. Uh, grew that business very successfully for the last 10 years, uh, and in October of last year, raised uh, an outside round, a Series A round of capital to take all of the operational footprint and learnings from the last 10 years and focus on what we started to see from the market, from our customers, and, and that's this, this notion of private cloud. And that's sort of how we got to this announcement that we made this morning. Cool. So tell me just a little bit more about that announcement, and then I kind of want to get into some of those kind of operations things that you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So this morning we announced our OpenStack Early Adopters program. Uh, this is a first-to-market offering that takes OpenStack and productizes it in a private cloud deployment. So... We can take customers and, in a matter of minutes, deploy them in a, in a fully single-tenant hosted private cloud environment that is fully elastic, uh, so customers can add and remove underlying cloud capacity on demand. So we're bringing a lot of the flexibility of public cloud into the private cloud space. And we found a lot of customers who are dealing with digital healthcare applications or PCI applications or other other applications that need compliance-oriented infrastructure uh, really find this attractive, as well as IT administrators who have had this pressure to do their the cloud thing. They, everybody, their C-suite says, go do the cloud thing. Um, engineering is just using your credit card and going to, to public cloud providers, and uh, these IT teams really want to be able to give their engineering groups resources on demand, but haven't had an ability to do that in a controlled environment until now. And so we're, we're really excited with, with the offering. Uh, the Early Adopters Program get, delivers a set of OpenStack services, so uh, Nova for Compute, uh, Neutron for Networking, uh, Glance for Image Management, and Horizon uh, for Access Control, and packages all that all up into the, the uh, private cloud environment. Cool. And, and you and I were talking a good bit before we hit record about kind of the operations aspect and, and deployment, you know, there's a lot of people that, that want to stand up OpenStack and want to kind of, you know, day zero, day one kind of, it's, yeah, hey, I can stand it up, right? But 
what do you do in a week? What do you do in a month? What do you do in a year? And that's something that you've been doing for a long time previous to OpenStack even, right? So you kind of understand those operations complexities of managing something over the life cycle of it. And, and so tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced and some of the concerns you address when it comes to OpenStack. And then maybe we'll transition that into Cloud Foundry after that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we really want our customers to be able to work with OpenStack, not work on OpenStack. And I think that's one of the big challenges uh, that we see today. You can go download OpenStack and install it and get DevStack up and running very easily. But that's very different than running a production environment and keeping it updated with the, the releases that come out and uh, focusing on really the, the infrastructure-related components. How do you monitor OpenStack? How do you um, maintain the physical infrastructure? And there's a there's a whole world of uh, almost operations as a service, uh, operations as a service type work that, that is done from a provider perspective that uh, just standing up OpenStack doesn't doesn't get you. So how do you, how does Bluebox address that? How do you help a customer know how to operate OpenStack? Yep, so our solution makes sure the customer doesn't have to operate OpenStack. They just okay. get to use OpenStack. So uh, we're delivering that private cloud and it's productized. Okay. So we're handling all the underlying infrastructure. So right. uh, all of the release management we are handling for the customer. We've written continuous integration, continuous deployment code that allows us to keep those underlying private clouds. Uh, each version maintained and consistent across all of the deployments. Uh, so at the end of the day, really the customer just needs to worry about working with Horizon, tooling against the OpenStack APIs, uh, and can leave everything else to, to Bluebox. Okay, so it's like, it sounds like a, like a managed services. Yeah, I think... Managed the managed services, services approach to OpenStack. Yeah, it's, it's taking, like it's taking okay. OpenStack and really building a product around it instead of just a, just a deployment. Sure. Now, you have a pretty extensive background in, in Cloud Foundry as well. And so uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, I guess, first of all, why Cloud Foundry even? And and how did that evolve into kind of a service that you guys offer? Absolutely. So we, we grew up uh, delivering service to in the Ruby ecosystem. And, and with that, uh, we grew alongside Heroku, which uh, was, was the first really true platform as a service to, to reach scale We've always been excited with the, the enabling technology the platform as a service brings to customers. And we often found that our customers would uh, reach a point in scale where platform as a service wasn't accommodating their needs and they'd move to us. But there was this huge, huge swath of applications where platform really made sense. And we didn't have a great answer for that up until now. With the uh, spin out of Cloud Foundry from VMware into the, the Pivotal Initiative and with the release of Cloud Foundry V2, what we've found is that Cloud Foundry, in, in our mind, has become the equivalent of OpenStack from an open source perspective. So it's it's reached critical mass from an ecosystem perspective. It has a board of governance that is keeping it uh, keeping it aligned outside of the interest of one party. Uh, it is the most, in our opinion, technologically sophisticated platform out there, and and really sort of thought out platform out there. Uh, and it's being used on a production basis to support applications that are running multiple billions of, of hits a day. Uh, so we found with Cloud Foundry, we've got a sophisticated, established offering that can deliver that platform as a service component and really is, is designed in a way that integrates 
effectively into OpenStack very well. Uh, we believe that, that private cloud, I mean, if you think about infrastructure as a service, Amazon released EC2 in 2006. So we're, we're six, seven years into infrastructure as a service. Infrastructure as a service is now generally accepted as a technology platform. Platform as a service is still early from that acceptance perspective, but we found a lot of buyers are asking for both to be packaged up in that private cloud environment. And so we wanted to make sure that we picked technology, two technology stacks that uh, both could benefit from the combined velocity of, of many contributing parties uh, and would play very nicely together. And, and that's what we believe we found with, with Cloud Foundry. And so let's talk about kind of two recent things in the, in the news, I guess, that hit. So you've been very vocal um, on the Blue Box um, blog about the role of OpenStack, of, you know, where is it going and should it be platform as a service? And, and you know, so there's the new project announcement. Um, is it Solum? Yes. That, mm -hmm. And and so there's that. And and how do you feel about that? And and I guess my my take on it is a little bit of yeah, it sounds great conceptually, but you know, at the same time too, there's a lot of other things that maybe still need work in, in some of the other more core projects, right? And so tell me a little bit about where your head is at as somebody who's kind of doing it day in and day out? Yeah, it's a great question. So in my mind, OpenStack was founded as an infrastructure as a service offering. And to me, that means its core purpose should be delivering infrastructure as a service. And that means compute, that means storage, that means networking, and that means the interface. And until those, those four key pieces are very well baked, additional projects in some capacity start to feel like a bit of a distraction. They, they take up uh, energy and cycles from the ecosystem uh, away from really ensuring consistency across that, that core. Uh, Solom is an interesting project in, in that it was uh, created prior to any code, so there's no code contributed to the project, uh, which means it, it will be uh, entirely designed and built from the ground up uh, from the contributing partners. It's not, a, uh, it's not an OpenStack uh, endorsed project, so it's it's a project that's just part of the OpenStack ecosystem, but, mm -hmm. but it's not incubated within the the uh, within the OpenStack uh, board of governance. Um, but at the end of the day, until OpenStack has that core really effectively working, I, I don't think it makes sense to devote those resources to, to these other projects. Further, I think one of the big benefits of platform as a service is this notion of of, uh, of driving cloud. Uh, cloud choice in some capacity. So, like, look at AppFog, right? AppFog was a platform as a service based on Cloud Foundry that lets you deploy applications on Amazon, on Rackspace, on HP, uh, without caring what that infrastructure provider was. That's the power of platform as a service. And so, to build a platform into OpenStack, I think eliminates some of the flexibility that, that you that people have come to expect uh, with with those platform offerings. And let me relate that to kind of that second bit of news, which was Canonical at, at the keynote today. So um, for those of, uh, out there that may have missed it, um, Canonical announced today that, that they are doing um, an OpenStack combined with Cloud Foundry uh, offering, you know, kind of a productized offering. But at the same time, they're founding members of Solum. And so they're very much kind of, you know, playing both sides. Right. <laughs> right. And and you and I talked earlier again, you know, it's like what are your thoughts on on, on something like that and 
does that help validate the solution and potentially where you're going as a company? Does that compete? And you know, what are your thoughts about something like that? Yeah, so when I, when I look at the ecosystem in general, uh, for infrastructure service and platform as a service, I think we're, we're in a really interesting spot. So you've got public providers, HP, Rackspace, IBM, et cetera. You've got on-premise providers, uh, Mirantis, Cloud Scaling, Nebula, Piston, uh, et cetera. And in the middle is this private cloud, hosted private cloud offering that, that nobody is really effectively servicing today as a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ubuntu offering, to me, is fantastic. I think it's another validating force for Cloud Foundry. So you've now got IBM, you've got NTT, uh, you've got Pivotal, uh, you've got GE support. Uh, there's a huge ecosystem of companies, and now you've got Canonical participating in that ecosystem as well. Uh, that's empowering. I think, again, it, it reminds me of, of uh, some of the early days of the OpenStack uh, community. Um, so, let me ask you this, Jesse. It almost seems like it's really almost a blurring of the lines at this point of between infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, and do you agree or disagree, and where do you think kind of the market's going for either or both? Yeah, so... I have strong feelings on this, and I wrote a couple blog posts about it. At, at the end of the day, infrastructure service, again, there's those core components that need to work really well, and then surrounding those are services. So if you look at Amazon, they built the core components, EC2, EBS, uh, S3, and ELB. And then around that, they built all these additional service offerings, RDS, uh, SQS, etc. And it's that service ecosystem that, that makes Amazon both very compelling and very sticky. OpenStack, once it's nailed those core uh, core services, needs to think about how to bring in the additional service layers. So things like Trove, that's a great start. Heat's very helpful. Uh, building out the, the load balancing offerings. Uh, and it's, it's great to see the support uh, for those evolving in Havana. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, I have a question. So, Go ahead. So, Jesse, so how would you address, I guess, some folks in the OpenStack community who say, A, you know, we need these services because, in essence, we're playing catch-up, right? Like you said, AWS has been out since 2006, OpenStack 2010. What, but and so we're several years behind. And so, why don't? How would you address it? We say we need to we need to continue innovating, so we basically catch up to AWS. And then two, how would you address those people in the community who would say the problem with something like Cloud Foundry is it's not part of the OpenStack community, so we they can't we can't. Con- but OpenStack can't control, right, or dictate or help guide development of Cloud Foundry as opposed to something like Solom where they can basically help guide that process. Yeah, two great questions. So uh, first, I absolutely agree with, with your first statement. I think the, the services are key to the mm-hmm. ongoing success of OpenStack, uh, but all of those additional services rely on the core services functioning really well. So in, in uh, until those core services are working really well, Spending a bunch of time on the additional services, I think, is a little bit like spinning your wheels. That said, I think it's it's great to see projects like Trove. It's great mm-hmm. to see uh, it's great to see the successes that are being made there. And I think between Icehouse and the, and the subsequent releases, we'll see more and more of that. Solemn, though, doesn't feel like a service. It's it's a mashup of everything that's there, and it's it's a mashup that doesn't uh, isn't necessarily needed. If you look at Amazon's evolution of services, they didn't start. They started with the four core services, and then they didn't immediately add 
a platform as a service on top, they built that service architecture and they let other companies like Heroku, like Engineyard, like RightScale deliver that platform layer. And I think OpenStack can do something very similar. Okay. The, the second question in terms of how does OpenStack uh, contribute and help guide uh, the direction of Cloud Foundry, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, it's very simple in that Cloud Foundry has become a, a community-supported project and now has a community governance board and, and is operating very much like Cloud Foundry, operating very much like the OpenStack organization. I think it's it's uh, certainly earlier in, in its evolution than OpenStack is, but it's it's a project that's, uh, from a, an age perspective, is also much younger. So I don't think it has to be an us versus them. I think it can be a very collaborative uh, collaborative project and, and should be a collaborative project. And I think... Uh, Again, putting putting the energy and resources of the engineers and the talent that we have in this OpenStack sure. community against those core services will move OpenStack so much more forward than than in building right. this platform layer. So it's kind of like football. They always say, you got to work on the blocking and attacking first, right? right? Before you yeah. start working on the trick plays. So, so you mentioned something earlier, a, a kind of a phrase there, and I'm going to bring it up again. So you mentioned AWS stickiness. And a lot of people when you know equate stickiness with lock-in. Um, and... With you as kind of a cloud provider, do you see OpenStack's, you know, openness? Do you see that as a good thing for your business, where, you know, potentially customers could come and go? Do you see that as potentially competitive threat? I mean, is how do you, how do you kind of in your head go, okay, you've got AWS stickiness lock-in over here, you've got OpenStack openness over here. How do you walk that line? Yeah, it's a great question. I think if I'm relying on uh, APIs or data stickiness to keep my business, I've got larger problems. I think at the end of the day, I want my customers to stay with my company because they're delighted with the service that we're delivering. Uh, the openness in OpenStack, I think at the end of the day, is, is critical to uh, the offering that we're building in that we aren't of a scale to be able to deliver an effective public cloud. I think Rackspace, HP, IBM, those will be the the bears of the torch for the OpenStack public cloud offering. And we're not in a position to build an on-premise offering. Uh, and we've got a great number of companies in the OpenStack community that, that can do that very well. What we can do very well is deliver that, that productized, single-tenant, hosted OpenStack environment. Uh, and from the customers that we've talked to, uh, they see an environment evolving where they're using a combination of all three types of services. And we think where the market's at today, we're in a really unique position to be the first uh, provider that a lot of these companies choose uh, and to be functionally the training wheels uh, for a lot of these companies into OpenStack. Uh, and from that, we expect them to be able to move services on-premise or move out and burst into public clouds. Uh, but that compatibility layer, the, the API compatibility to do that is, is really key as part of that story because we, we as a, uh, as a young car, I guess not really a young company, startup company um, mm -hmm. in some capacity, uh, can't deliver all those services and don't want to deliver all those services. We want to focus on what we're, we're really strong at. Yeah. All right, so we are out of time for right now. Um, so Jesse, where can everyone find out more about you and the company? Yep, so you can find me on Twitter at BlueBoxJesse. You can read our blog at blog.bluebox.net. Cool. All right. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at TheCloudCastNet. 
or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening.